are listening to Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey, everybody, it's Clarification here on KSGF. I am James Clary, your host of this weekly radio show and podcast. And I just want to do a quick shout out to uh, all you listeners, man. We've had a ton of listener feedback, and I appreciate you guys listening to, particularly you guys out there working with my neighbor. You know who you are. Today's show, I, I got to be honest, I have, I've been going so many different directions. There's so much going on in the world, in my life. But one of the overarching themes of the last two years has to do with science, right? And our trust in science. I mean, it, as I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, I was born in 1960. So do the math. You can figure out how old I am. But anyway, if you went to a doctor, I mean, his word was gold. You trusted him. You generally trusted people like politicians and the authorities. Although I will say that the 60s were a time when trust and authority started to wane, you know, particularly with the hippie movement and, you know, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, those guys, trust and authority began to wane. And it's funny because a lot of those same people now are the ones who say, you know, trust the FBI, which is kind of insane. But anyway, I want to talk about the lack of trust in science. There was a recent poll by the General uh, Social Survey. It's a widely respected survey conducted by the NORC at the University of Chicago, and it's been measuring the confidence in different institutions in America since 1972. What is kind of interesting is that the trust in science has fallen from highs of around 70% to now overall 48% of Americans say they have a great deal of confidence in the scientific community. This poll was uh, from the middle to end of 2021. So COVID had been going on for a while. I guarantee it's lower now with all the stuff that's coming out. 64% of Democrats say that compared to roughly half as many Republicans, 34%. The gap was much smaller in 2018 with 51 on the Democratic side, 42 on the Republicans. So there's been a widening gap of not only the trust in science, but who are the people? So the Democrat Party tend to trust, and it's not just science, it's the institution, the institutions of science, like the NIH, the FDA, uh, NAAID, which is Fauci's group, who works under the umbrella of the NIH, and university funding and academia. That was the other thing, you know, when growing up in the 60s, you trusted professors. The word professor meant 
that you trusted them. Because they, they worked for years to get that degree. So the trust in science has gone down, and it is really now divided along party lines, which it's just sci- – look, science should never be about politics. It wasn't for decades, and it has become about politics. We all saw this happen on COVID. I've had guests on this show. You guys have heard them. You know, I had Monique Abrams, who lost her father, to a hospital in, uh, where was it, Nashville, Vanderbilt, actually, lost her father because of the COVID protocols, quotation marks, COVID protocols that gave him no early treatment threw him in a ward, and put him on a ventilator, which we now know was the absolute worst. 90% of people that go on a ventilator never come off it. They die. 90%. Now, I that number may be a little off, but it's close. I know it's at least 75 80%. Sarah looked that up for me, I know. But it's a very high number of people that go on a ventilator for covid Don't come out of it. So, I mean, over and over, we see that they were wrong about the lockdowns. They were wrong about a mask. A new meta study just came out on masking. Now, a meta study, if you don't know what that is, a meta study takes as many as a thousand, thousands, if not hundreds, if not dozens But they take many, many, many studies and collate the data from those studies, which is better. You know, you could do one study on masking that was flawed. But if you take a 100 different studies, the data would seem to be more reliable. And that's what the most recent study on masking was a meta-analysis and found that the masks had little to no effect on whether a person got COVID or not. So, in essence, the masks don't stop transmission. But here's where I'm going with this. If science was shown to be fallible and politicized as it was during the pandemic, if that's indeed the case, where else have they been wrong? What else are they telling us is the truth that isn't? And look, this we're going to get into some of this in the show. Some of the deepest questions that mankind has had. And also, I think some stuff that I'm going to guide you to that's pretty interesting, such as research into PSI. That's P-S-I. Did you find that, Sarah? I did. What'd they say? Journal of the American Medical Association. They did a study, and I'll make sure to link this in the show notes, too. But basically, 2,600 patients that they were watching, 320 of those patients, they required a ventilator. 88% died. 
Ugh. So I was right. I said 90. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Close. Sorry, two points off. Yeah, 88% die. Look, ventilation is such an invasive procedure. They have to complete you, put, put you under. Imagine having an inch-wide diameter tube stuck down your throat into your lung. That's going to hurt. So anyway, um, yeah, wow. So we're going to get into the, the side part of it. Um, I did an interview on this station many years ago for the Nick Reed Show. I was filling in for my buddy Nick, and I don't know how I got Maybe because I just I kind of kissed his rear, but, I, you know, he, he's a very popular man. But I got an interview with Cambridge Ph.D. Rupert Sheldrake who is the author of several books and even better, the author of some incredible studies. He wrote a book called The Science Delusion. And I think that was the title in England and America. I think it was something like everything you know about science is wrong. And and, and Dr. Sheldrake lays it out. Why, there's so many things that are just wrong about the current scientific paradigm. We're going to get into that and a whole lot more. I mean, I'm going to take you down the road. (laughs) Is Earth at the center of the universe? What does the latest science say about that? It's going to blow your mind because we very well might be. We'll get into that and a whole lot more. I'm James Clary. It's Clarification. We'll be back in just a moment. Hey, everybody. It's James Clary. You're listening to Clarification, and there's the Eagles, one of the all-time best groups, one of Sarah's favorites. Obviously, she can't see her. She's dancing. We're dancing here in the studio. So the beginning segment, I just talked about how we've lost so much trust in medical authorities and science in general. Look. I was raised by two very, very intelligent people. One was a doctor, my father, and one was an historian, uh, my mother. She had a master's, and she actually had two masters, I believe, in history, and she had completed all the requirements for a Ph.D., except finishing her dissertation. And she just as she got on in life, she was like, you know, this is just too much. It's not that big a deal to get that title because she wasn't going to teach or anything. So um, the bottom line is I was taught that, you know, science is everything. I mean, my dad got me interested in all kinds of things. I remember as a little kid, he would make a Mobius strip and I, it, it was just science. Everything was about science. Anyway, I, uh, I like you and like many people in the general public, have lost trust in science. So I didn't really go down the rabbit hole until after 9-11. And we'll do a show here on 9-11. There is one on my old podcast. We did a three-part series, actually, in which we determined that at the very least— 
our government had forewarning of that attack. Now, what does that have to do with science? Well, if you remember, it was NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, NIST, that issued this report on how the attacks happen. Yet they left out, and it was Scientific American, I believe, that published the report. Scientific American, the most revered scientific magazine. Really, it is. That along with the uh, magazine Nature, Scientific American, and The Lancet is another publication that, uh, remember, science is supposed to, supposed to work with a scientist, a person making a hypothesis, then testing that hypothesis by conducting experiments and observing, making observations. What are the results of the experiment and recording the data? And the more times that you can run the experiment and get the same results, the more accurate the data tends to be. I mean, it's like if you flip a coin twice, let's say it came up on heads both times, and you publish that as statistical evidence that every time you flip a coin, it's heads. Well, yeah, because 100% of the time. And they that's what modern science does. They sneak in little incorrect surveys like that. I mean, I'll give you an example. One of the more recent ones was during COVID. The Lancet, let me see if I can find this. The Lancet published an article about COVID, uh, excuse me, about uh, hydroxychloroquine. Remember hydroxychloroquine, Trump said that he was treated with, and he said, yeah, this may be a really good drug. You know, this was the beginning of the disease, the pandemic. We didn't really know. So the medical journal on Lancet published a large study on the use of hydroxychloroquine. Well, guess what? Like six months later, they retracted it. The study had published, found that There was no benefit to the drug and suggested it may even increase the risk of death. That wasn't six months later. It was actually a few weeks. Sorry. I'm going to back up. Correct myself. It was a couple weeks. So the retraction doesn't mean the drug is helpful, but the study's authors were unable to confirm the data set was accurate. It's incredible to me that a periodical as highly respected as the Lancet would publish trash data. But they all do it now because, well, look, this is, not, I, this is not some amazing revelation that modern academia and modern scientific thought has been politicized and it's been corrupted. Look, all funding. All funding is dependent on you, generally you, the scientist, marching to the same globalist drummer. And I mean, COVID was just too big and so many people saw the problems with it. 
You know, uh, that, when I interviewed the Allens, it's the most heartbreaking story. They lost their daughter after she had secretly gotten a vaccine. And she had cardiac myopathy. She had a sudden heart attack out of nowhere. Perfectly healthy 17-year-old. Well, you can say, well, James, you can't say one death correlates. You're talking about observable, the hypothesis, scientific method. You know, that's one death. Okay, that's why we have VAERS, the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And according to VAERS, there's, I think it's up to 75,000, somewhere in that range of people that died with some linkage to the vaccine. But that's not what this show is about. This show is about science overall. And I want to tell let's take you down some fun stuff. Because what's interesting is science continues. Science, it's kind of like the truth. You know, the truth is like a line. It doesn't need defending. It can defend itself. And that, you know, science really is the objective search for truth. That's really all that science is. And some interesting things have been coming to light because you know, while all the pandemic stuff was going on, Fauci, the NIH, the FDA, and Big Pharma, and all these politicians were doing this deal. Well, you know, science keeps moving. Physicists uh, keep smashing quarks together or atoms together to get quarks. Cosmologists and astronomers keep looking at the sky. Uh, chemists keep running experiments, and it goes on and on. So I talked about Rupert Sheldrake in the first uh, first segment. He I did mention he wrote the book Science Delusion. Here's here's some things that mainstream science says are absolute truths. I'm going to read some to you. Nature is mechanical. So that's the belief that we're on a random rock hurtling through space at 1,500 miles a second, and everything is mechanistic. It works according to the parts that make up the thing. Uh, Matter is unconscious. Science does not believe that matter is conscious. Really, most scientists... Depends on how you define consciousness. We we could do a whole show on that, but science generally believes matter is unconscious. They believe the laws of nature are fixed, that the total amount of energy and matter in the universe always remains the same. You know, the second law of thermodynamics, no energy is lost. They believe, mainstream science, nature has no purpose, that hereditary is material. It's all about the genetics. You know, whatever genes you get, that's going to determine the type of person you are. And uh, you should look up the work of Bruce Lipton because he has proved, uh, he's the one really kind of coined the term epigenetics. He's proven that to be totally wrong. Genes can change. Did you know that? How did Bruce Lipton figure it out? Well, he's a scientist. He put the same gene in two different solutions. One would be saline solution. The other one, saline solution with whatever, some other slightly acidic 
and the genes behaved differently. So the 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 deal on that is that genes are affected by behavior and outside influences. Uh, mainstream science believes that the mind is all inside the head. There's nothing that goes beyond your brain. Your mind is in your skull, and that's it. Consciousness, which is called, these are quotations, the big problem in science. It's a big problem because science can't explain it. Well, how did we become aware of ourselves? How did we become conscious? Uh, mainstream science believes that psi, which PSI, psychic abilities, precognition, ESP of any sort is impossible because the mind is in your head. It doesn't extend beyond that. They also believe in mechanistic medicine. You know, before, at the turn of the 20th century, there was a huge battle between what are called allopathic doctors and homeopathic. Well, guess who won? The allopaths. You don't see homeopathic doctors. Yeah, there's some. They're all called quacks. And the allopaths won because they garnered funding from guess who? Gee. Big Pharma. It started with... Bayer, the parent company out of Germany, they said, we'll fund all of your medical schools if you teach this type of medicine, which is you treat the symptoms with drugs, not the underlying disease, which is what homeopaths believe. Treat the underlying disease. The symptoms will go away if you treat the disease. But there's no money to be made in that, or no long-term money. See, that's what it's all about. You really, you, you want to tell me they don't have a cure for cancer after studying it for 80 years and probably $5 trillion? I don't believe it. I'm James Clary. It's Clarification. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, everybody, it's James Clary. I'm the host of this show, which is called Clarification, along with Sarah Myers, the infamous Sarah Myers, back from vacation in the studio. How was the trip, Sarah? You can chime in. It was pretty good. Uh, it was fantastic. We've got great listeners, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, we were on vacation with like 87 of our closest listeners. Oh, man, that's so cool. <laughs> it was a blast. That's awesome. It's called The Great Escape. Yep. And we go to different tropical places every year. Typically, whenever it's wintertime, we go anywhere from like November to uh, early January. January. Yeah. Yeah. So we always try to go when it's a little bit cold. So we've brought some of the nice weather with us. You got a little sun, too. You look great. You and Nick. Yeah, I saw that. That's awesome. Well, back to the the, uh, show that we're talking about and the science delusion. Uh, So... One of the mainstays of science, guys like, well, I don't even need to go into the, you know who the skeptics are and the debunkers. One of them is that any kind of psi, PSI research is bunk and that it's impossible because the mind is within the brain. It can't reach outside the brain. But Daryl Bim, a professor, discovered something that 
absolutely blew the doors off of the idea that the mind stays within the brain. Uh, Daryl Bim, he did nine experiments over the course of eight years with more than a thousand participants. But the results conclusively show that humans have some ability to predict the future. Now, how wild is that? In psi research terms, that's called precognition. Uh, the various forms of ESPs we call precognition. This is Daryl Bim, a quote from him, has always most intrigued me because it's the most magical. So Bim is a professor of psychology, and his study was published in the American Psychological Association's Journal of Personality. It's the standard periodical for peer-reviewed literature. Mainstream science now accepts that some form of what we call ESP, which stands for extrasensory perception. By extra, that means outside the normal senses of hearing, sight, smell, and touch. And the thing is, most of us know. You already know this. Here's a question, and I'll ask the listeners. I've asked no less than 100 people this question, and the answer's always been the same. 100%. I have yet to meet someone that answered in the negative. The question is, have you ever thought of someone, just random thought of someone, and then they either called you or you ran into them in person? 100% of the people have said yes. Now, if you know anything about science and statistics, statistics are a big part of the science. Remember, we talked about how scientific method is you have a hypothesis and you repeat the experiment. That's where statistics come in. So on a coin flip, like we talked about earlier, you flip a coin twice and it's two heads. You can't. That's not statistically Accurate because you only flipped it twice. You have to do it a number of times. If you flip that same coin a thousand times, statistically, it will be approaching 50% heads, 50% tails. Because that's what happens over time. Yes, there are streaks. You might get six heads in a row. That's why some people win at blackjack and dice in Las Vegas. You get little streaks. Statistics aren't clad, but they do show certain, indicate the way things are going to play out. So Daryl Bim's research is just so cool. I remember reading about this. I mean, this was years ago, at least eight years ago. Sarah can look him up. Daryl Bim, B-E-M. So... We'll put it in the show notes where you can look for this. So Ben was doing an experiment on some aspect of the human body's response. So he had people hooked up. The test 
subjects were hooked up to gal- galvanic skin response, the EKG, the EEG, measuring heart rate, blood pressure, uh, body temperature, uh, like I said, the galvanic response, which is kind of like a blood pressure, your skin response, all these things, everything you could ever imagine to measure on a person. And then he had them in a room and a computer randomly picked a series of images. Now, the images were one of two types. They were either violent, very disturbing images. Remember that image uh, from the Vietnam War of that little child, that two-year-old naked that had been burned by napalm, standing in the street crying, shrieking? It just broke your heart. So that would be, the, it would be that kind of image. Or, on the flip side, the computer would randomly pick a soothing, relaxing love. It might be a couple hugging. You know, it might be a babbling brook with some geese and ducklings floating around. You know, anything you just go, ah, it could be a dog. You know, dogs do that to me. I see them on. I love dog videos. But anyway, so he would show. And of course, when the disturbing image came up, he noticed that heart rates went up, blood pressure was accelerated, breathing was accelerated, et cetera, et cetera. When the other type of image, the calming, relaxing image came up, the exact opposite happened. Their heart rate went down. Their brain waves went into a more relaxed state. Now, this is not surprising at all. It's exactly what you would expect. But here's the catch. As he did this, now remember, he or no scientist was even in the room with the computer to pick them. They had it set up to randomly pick an image of either, I'll just call them uh, violent or peaceful. It was totally random. So, you know, it's like flipping a coin. No scientist was involved in that. Here's what blew the scientist away. A split second. Before the image came on the screen, the body responded. And if it was a violent image, the body responded before the image came on the screen. You get where I'm going with this? Somehow, these, the people, the test subjects in the experiment knew which type of image was going to come up, even though. It was picked by a randomized computer program. Now, this this is earth shat. This is stunning. Because if you can prove that one aspect of psi, which means, remember, they said mind is inside the brain. If you can prove that, no, consciousness reaches out beyond the skull. If you can prove that, it opens up so many possibilities. In the next segment, I'm going to talk about one that really blows your mind. I teased you in the first, but is the earth at the center of the universe? We'll find out when we come right back. It's Clarification. I'm James Clary. Science. Hey, everybody. It's James Clary. It's Clarification. You're listening to me and a little Thomas Dolby along with Sarah Myers. We've been talking about... Science And before the last break, I was telling you about the groundbreaking study that Professor Daryl Bim did that showed that ESP is real. Now, many of us knew this. Many of us know these things in our heart. Like I had said 
in the last show when I asked the question, have you ever thought about a random person, then you run into them? 100% of the people answer yes. Well, so what does that mean? Statistically, the odds of me even finding three people that answer yes to that are very small. Yet, I've asked hundreds of people and they've all answered yes. That's statistically important. That means that there's something to this. That means is when you have this thought in your head about this person, somehow, some way, you're either using precognition, predicting the future, because then they call you the next day or whatever, or there's somehow you're connected to these people. And I, I honestly think the easiest explanation to this is something in physics called quantum entanglement. Now, if you've never looked into quantum physics, it's one of the most fascinating and spooky and crazy things in the world. And it's, it is hardcore science. They say that the theories about quantum physics and the way these small particles react. Remember, quantum physics is the study of the small. Okay. Physics, astronomical physics is the study of the large. Cosmology, astronomy, Einstein, that relative physics, the theory of relativity, that's the study of the large. Quantum physics study the small. And they found, by small I mean the smallest particles in the universe. And what they found about these particles just blows your mind. One, One particular thing about these little particles, and how do they find them? You've heard of the Hadron Collider. They take two atoms or electrons you know, a small particle, and they move them around this massive circle until they reach speeds approaching the speeds of light, and they smash them together. And when they do that, they can see what other particles come out. And there's these tiny little particles that are smaller than electrons called quarks and leptons and muons. And one of the really strange characteristics of smaller particles that they found is something called entanglement. Einstein called it spooky action at a distance. What? Spooky? The fact that Einstein used the word spooky to describe some aspect of physics is kind of funny. Well, he did it because he couldn't explain it. And here here it is when two particles get close to each other and, and t- maybe, I don't even think they have to touch, but they get in the same general area. They become what's called entangled. Now, if one particle travels away, let's call it particle B goes on a road trip and he's uh, a thousand miles away. Particle A, when a scientist measures anything about particle A, its twin brother, particle B, immediately reacts faster than the speed of light. It's instantaneous. Even if particle B is on the other side of the galaxy. Let that sink in. We're all made of these little particles. You have quantum particles in you that were in the body of Christ. You have particles from Napoleon from FDR, from Gandhi, 
We're all made from these. But before we run out of time, I think it's important to know that the quantum entanglement explains this a lot. We're all connected, folks. We are all connected. And these these experiments that show ESP should not surprise you at all. As a matter of fact, well, yeah, we know that because quantum entanglement has shown us. Rupert Sheldrake, who I mentioned before, has done these experiments like, does your dog know when you're coming home? He's got a video timestamp on a dog who's laying down in its bed, its owner's at work, a computer, once again, randomly calls the owner, says it's time to go home. Also, use a random form of transportation. So it's not the car noise. If the guy usually takes a cab, this time he'll take the bus. The instant the owner has the thought, oh, I have to go home, guess what? The dog gets up and walks to the door. It's thoughts. Our consciousness extends beyond the brain. And we're all connected. The CIA knows this. They did remote viewing programs. They're still doing them. They found a hostage in Italy by some guy sitting in California and said, he's on this street in this house number using remote viewing. But the one I wanted to talk to you about, I find the most fascinating, the latest research has to do with the Earth's position in the universe. There's a really good documentary, and I highly recommend it. It's free on YouTube. It's called The Principle. And what one of the things I really like about it is that they don't shy away from interviewing uh, all kinds of physicists and that the the physicists in the program don't shy away from sharing their experience. Look, mainstream science has been telling us for decades and decades that the earth is nothing special. This is it's called the principle of the documentary because this it comes from Copernicus. Okay, the Copernican principle was before Copernicus, the the main idea as far as the stars, earth, and planets was that the earth was still, was stationary, and that everything revolved around the earth. You know, these astronomers back then saw these planets moving and they saw the sun move and they saw the moon move. So it's either one or two things. Either the earth is moving or they're moving. So they had what was called a geocentric model, which means that the earth, geo, geography, the earth was the center of the universe. It wasn't until Copernicus really said, no, 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 that's wrong. It's actually the other way. The sun is sitting still and the earth revolves around the sun. And that became the Copernicus principle. Also, Copernicus said, you know, this is true and we can see these other stars and galaxies. The earth is nothing special. Okay, That's why mainstream science has been telling us for so long. We're just a random rock floating around the universe. Well, well, guess what? It's not really that true. So real quick, you've heard of the Big Bang. 
You also heard of the Hubble telescope. Well, Edwin Hubble, the astronomer for whom the telescope was named, he discovered, and it's called the Hubble constant, that in measuring the light from stars, that the universe was expanding at a rapid rate. Well, that's why they came up with the Big Bang, because the universe is expanding all around us. How, why is it expanding? Well, so they postulated if they went backwards in time and put all the matter back into a tiny, 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 tiny little ball, all the matter and all the energy was contained in a particle smaller, a thousand times smaller than the head of a pen, and all the matter in the universe came, then it blew up. Now, science has never given us a reason for that. They never tell us where the matter came from. But over the years, as more and more astronomers and cosmologists have studied this issue, it became a problem. When they measured the energy in what's called the quantum field, the amount of energy that these particles put out, then they measured the energy that they could observe in the universe. Guess what? They were 99% short. There should be 99% more energy and matter in the universe. Energy really is matter if E equals mc squared. But there should be 99% more than we can observe. So what did they do? They created dark energy. You ever heard of that? Or dark matter. They said there's this stuff out there. We can't see it. We can't quantify it. We can't do experiments to prove it's true, but it must be true. Because otherwise, Einstein's theory of relativity doesn't work. Hubble's observations don't work. We have to add this. But here's something that's going to blow your mind. All of those observations and experiments were done from the standpoint that the Earth and the Milky Way, the Milky Way is just some random galaxy in the corner of the universe. When the scientists placed the Earth, the Milky Way galaxy in general, and the Earth in particular in the middle of the universe, with everything expanding outward from the Earth, all the calculations fell into place perfectly. That is stunning. And you don't hear about this on Fox News, on CNN, and the New York Times. But you can look it up. If the Earth is the center of the universe, the calculations that physicists have made and cosmologists work perfectly without adding dark energy or dark matter. You don't have to come up with some fake Flimsy, oh, we're just going to create something. We'll call it dark energy because we don't know what it is and we don't know. I mean, it's just insane. Here's another thing to ponder. We just got a, a, a minute left, but ponder this. Do you know that the Earth has never been measured to move? There's a famous experiment called uh, Michelson-Morley. Look it up. Michelson-Morley. They did an experiment. They wanted to show how light is refracted because of the Earth's movement. It didn't refract. Physicists had a problem. That's when Albert Einstein came up with the theory of relativity. And he said light moves at a constant speed. 
regardless of the observer. Now, he came up with that theory, and it's worked real well. But if the Earth is still, his theory's bunk. There's a chance, folks. The Earth doesn't spin. There's a chance we are the center of the universe. I want you to put your head on your pillow tonight and think about that. I'm James Clary. It's Clarification. We will see you next week.